0: Thank you for listening to Without Warning, the Lauren Agee case. Throughout this season of Without Warning, many of you have had excellent questions on this case. Hearing your questions are so vital to the case and finding new information, and that is why I did the podcast, to discover new information from listeners like you in hopes to close the case once and for all. So let's hear some of the questions you all had. Hi, I'm Jill. You know, as I've been watching
1: through this case, what has occurred to me is the number of times that Lauren expressed a desire to leave. What do you make of
0: that? We know from interviewing witnesses that she asked 5 separate people if she could either stay with them or leave and she obviously had some sort of internal intuition knowing something wasn't right but unfortunately it didn't work out obviously that she left with anybody
1: I was listening and wondering why the sheriff didn't do more he was commenting that it was there was no obvious location That she fell. Did the sheriff decide she had fallen based on evidence, or did he just accept
0: Aaron, Chris, Hannah's theory that she fell? You know, there's a lot of work that goes into investigations. And when you decide it's a homicide or undetermined, then you've got to go and prove one way or the other legally by every standard I've ever heard of or taken in classes or got certification in in death investigations, you automatically assume it's a homicide until you prove otherwise when the body is alone. And that should have been number one in this investigation. So inside the crime scene tape um, are pictures of Aaron and Hannah up there with the police. Generally, you don't want anybody inside the crime scene.
1: Now also there is the houseboat story. So at 1230 on Sunday, Hannah is telling Deanna that she thinks Lauren went off on a houseboat ride at 2 a.m. But she knew they all took the canoe at least two trips across in the canoe to get everybody back to the campsite.
0: So what, what, huh? A houseboat is quite big. And to get into the cove area at 2 a.m. or later, you're just not going to do it with a houseboat. They're too big. And I don't even know if they would go in there at any time into that particular cove where the kids were, uh, you know, getting on and off of the canoe. So um, that story is quite interesting to me. Did Lauren see Clint and talk to him face-to-face? Lauren did see Clint, but she never engaged at all the whole weekend with anybody other than Evan in that group. One of the things Chris said, I believe
1: it was in his deposition, is that he didn't attend the funeral because Aaron said... Sherry would not let them come. Do we know if that's true? I wasn't aware that Aaron and Sherry had spoken
0: at all, let alone that she had, because she seemed quite upset that they hadn't. Sherry Smith didn't want him at the funeral, but Sherry Smith did not never say anything to him. Sherry Smith never talked to Aaron or uh, Chris. And I remember hearing Sherry actually say they never called her or contacted her in any way. Aaron never, ever once called Sherry, spoke to Sherry, wrote Sherry, text Sherry, anything. Not one word was passed between Sherry and Aaron.
2: Hi, this is Selena. I just have a few questions for you. I'm surprised Chris wasn't detained for more questioning with all that suspicious behavior on the boat with the officers and wanting to take their guns. That seems very sloppy.
0: That decision would have been Jeremy Taylor's, and as we know, he did not detain any of them. I know they were drinking that weekend. Was there any drug use involved? In the episode with Jeremy Taylor speaking with Samantha Arnold, Samantha Arnold does talk about drugs up on top of
2: the cliff. I'd like to hear more about the autopsy to see how they can explain the contusions on her body in relation to the shape and texture of the cliff. We will be doing an
0: episode on the autopsy and her injuries. And we will go over what procedures were done and what procedures were not done.
2: How are these people not arrested yet? How much more evidence does the law need to know this case should have never been closed for a drowning?
0: DeKalb County is solely responsible for whether or not a case is open or closed. To date, no one's been held responsible for the investigation of this case. In a future episode, we will be discussing what has happened between the family, the DA, and the Sheriff's Department.
2: Why did the detective allow Mr. Lilly to go up to the campsite? Why didn't he just point out where it was? Why were they allowed to return to the campsite, which in my opinion would be a crime scene with evidence? That would contaminate it, right? When
0: investigating, you generally don't want people on the inside of crime tape. You want them on the outside and through pictures, we know that the campers were on the inside of the tape. It definitely contaminates a scene of any kind.
2: To me, this crime cover-up seems remarkably and kind of eerily similar to Aaron's motorcycle accident cover-up. Cassie Franks attesting to how she was also used in that. Did no one in law enforcement make that connection? In an investigation, you have to talk to everyone You have to go back
0: through people's background, their patterns, their history, and I don't believe that law enforcement went beyond a few conversations.
2: They could hear from the cliff to the dock since they did yell to be picked up and they were responded back with, be there in seven minutes. If she had fallen, wouldn't they have heard a scream? I believe
0: it's well documented that, yes, you could hear from the top of the cliff to the dock.
2: Was Chase expecting her back Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday morning? Did they have a date on Saturday night? Chase planned a party for Lauren to
0: meet his high school friends on Saturday night. She was supposed to be there that evening.
2: What happened to Chase's ex-girlfriend, Whitney? How did she die?
0: Whitney passed away of an illness after Lauren had died also.
2: If she had fallen into the water, wouldn't they have run into her path the next morning?
0: Yes, they would have seen her pink shorts floating on top of the water.
2: What relation is Teresa and Evan to Lauren? Teresa
0: is Evan's mom. Evan was a close friend of Lauren's. They've known each other for four or five years. Evan is also Clint's cousin. So when Lauren dated Clint, Evan, of course, knew Lauren through that.
2: Is there any video surveillance at Fishlip's bar of Lauren's last night and what she was wearing and who she was talking to?
0: That is a really great question. Unfortunately, at that period, Fishlip's did not have surveillance at all. They had no videos at all, no surveillance cameras anywhere. We have no video of Lauren that weekend except for one GoPro video.
2: Is there any way this case could be reopened?
0: What the family is hoping is that the FBI takes the case, because obviously it was passed over by um, TBI and the DA. So the FBI is probably the most experienced
3: agency to take over. Okay, hey, my name is David. Basically, I've got uh, I've got four questions. Can you tell me who Chris Stout called? Because I th- that's really going to be a major thing. I believe.
0: I believe you're right, and I'm not going to tell until the episode. So. He made six phone calls. Of course, he has amnesia on who he called. But the, the information surrounding when he made the call is very important. It's after he's leaving Wakefest and the police department and the area, and he starts making those phone calls. So the question is, what was so important for him to talk to that person that night that he called
3: six times? My second question is based off of, um, Lauren apparently had a, um, a background in gymnastics and dance, okay? With her background in that, even falling down or falling off a cliff, even if they said that she was drunk, and basically no, no scrapes and bruises to talk about, I think that's very important. You know, how in the world, you know, I, I watched all the 2020s, I don't understand how in the world... That uh, I just don't think it's possible in my eyes for her to fall off the cliff, fall down the cliff with her background, even if she was drinking, and not receive any you know really bad cuts and scrapes, especially since she was apparently wearing shorts at the time.
0: Correct. So um, we took a dummy up there and tried to, we really tried to make the dummy fall to the water. It never happened, and on the way down the um police o- off-duty police officer that was throwing the dummy he was halfway down and still couldn't make it make the dummy go into the water and as the dummy's going down there would have been scrapes and and terrible bruising and broken ribs I and mean, there would have been a lot more damage had she fallen off the cliff now i do want to clarify something cuz i think people are under the mis notion that I believe she did fall. 100%, you can't get away from the science on that. So, and I think I know exactly where she fell, but I don't believe she fell off the cliff. I believe she fell in a different area. And that's something we'll address in one of the episodes.
3: Yeah, that's all I've got. And thank you for your show. I appreciate it. I think uh, putting the emphasis out there, this is a great way for technology and for your followers to, um, to help, pretty much help um, solve a crime. You know, things that uh, people are bringing up. I watch just about everything that you push out. You're amazing, thank you. Hi,
4: I'm Danielle and I met Sheila while attending her PI experience session at CrimeCon this year. My first question was, Chris Yarchuk stated the body was visible in the water, but it was contradictory to the time and temperature of the water. Would the wrinkling on her skin help determine how long she was in the water or help determine a time of death?
0: Excellent question regarding the time of death. The wrinkling, the sunburn, the physical appearance, the lividity all comes into play when you're looking at a body. The medical examiner should have taken all of that into consideration when making their findings. The body tells a story. It is up to the medical examiner to interpret that story. Now, we will be doing an episode on the autopsy, and you, the listeners, will be able to determine whether or not the medical examiner did their job.
4: Since Hannah, Aaron, and Chris left the police department without giving the statements, did anyone follow up to finally obtain them, or were they forced to return?
0: The audio you're hearing on the Podcast.
4: Yes. That
0: is the follow-up.
4: And do we know when those statements then were given? Was it like a day later or a week later? Within the week. Within the week.
0: Actually, within the two weeks.
4: So time enough for them to talk to each other.
0: Oh, they admitted they were talking to each other.
4: Okay, next question is, who... Or when was the crime scene tape removed and what happened to her belongings?
0: It was never considered a crime scene, so it was not processed as a crime scene. Lauren's items did not come back. We know that the police did not process anything other than her purse and her phone. Everything else that was left up on the cliff is gone, has never appeared again, and no one is saying what happened to it, whether it was burned or taken or thrown away, it's gone.
4: Is there an uh, uh, active appeal going on that's going to go before the courts at all? Is
0: The judge in DeKalb County threw out Hannah's case saying there wasn't enough evidence. That was appealed by Sherry Smith, Lauren's mom, and it went to the appellate court and was heard. We are waiting on the ruling. From the Nashville
5: Appellate Court. My name is Melissa. I met you during PI experience and I became very interested in the work you're doing and when I heard about this podcast I immediately started following it and I've been listening episode by episode waiting for the next one to come out. The first question was can the currents in the lake be analyzed to kind of determine if it's possible for her to have fallen off the cliff and ended up in that second cove Or in in contrast, could the currents be analyzed to figure out if she did go in where they said where she actually would have ended up? Fantastic question. There's an
0: episode coming up um, on the currents. So we're going to do a science episode to explain that we hired um, a hydrologist and he analyzed the currents. And so we did an analysis on the currents, the dams,
5: the water flow, the height. We did it all, and it boiled down to one thing. Um, So in the previous episode, the police officer was talking about the injuries to her spine um, and her head being indicative of a trauma of her body weight falling on on her head. And given that amount, and, and I think he actually said, it was indicative of like if you had fallen on your bum and you had a compression of your spine and that's from like a short distance. If you're falling from a very high distance and you fall on your spine, it would seem like it would cause a lot more damage, like say if you're falling off of a building. Um, is it possible to have a mechanical model done to look at exactly how much damage would be done to the spine if the body were to hit, hit in that position perpendicular to the earth from, any, from varying heights to see how much damage, you know, so we can indicate how far that fall was question is, yes, we're going to be doing that and showing that. I'm pretty excited about that because that, that's, I had seen this ep, uh, this case covered on uh, Crime Watch Daily right before Crime Con or right around Crime Con time. And I had not heard of it before and I'm watching it and I'm like the entire time they're showing the, the background of it. I keep going, there's no way, there's absolutely no way this is not a murder. The, the police kept saying that no one had sex with Lauren uh, because she was on her period. Um, and they kept saying that as if that's physically impossible to have sex with someone on their period. Um, my question is: I read somewhere that there was a, a tampon inside her when they found her, and that that was their reasoning for why she hadn't had sex. But one, I know it's physically possible to have sex with a tampon in, and, and two, it just it's physically possible to have sex with someone on their period. I'm confused why they're using that as a justification to not look into that aspect.
0: Why would you not? Why would you not do a sexual assault kit when an off duty police officer said, Do a, do a sexual assault uh, kit? So, in the state of Tennessee, it has to be requested by the police. And Jeremy Taylor, of course, because there's a tampon in and he said she's drunk and fell off the cliff, he's open and
5: shut the case. Police automatically thought, hmm, she can't have sex. She's on her period. I want to get more information about this emotional support dog. I'm kind of questioning, one, whether it was legitimately an emotional support dog or was that just him saying, this is my support dog, so he could take it wherever he wanted, and why he would need an emotional support dog to start with. The information I have on
0: that is you can go online and get an emotional support certificate and um, you can designate your dog as an emotional support dog. He did that and he helped other people do it just by going online. So does he need it? I'm not sure, but I do know that's how he did it.
5: There were some questions about whether the dog was seen on Sunday or not. And I'm, I'm wondering if that is actually the case. Has the dog been seen again? Harry, who was um, on the boat
0: with Ryan, the off-duty police officer. So Harry was one of the uh, people working at the marina that weekend, he and his wife. And he was on the boat with Chris Stout and Aaron Lilly, and the dog was on the boat as well. And Harry said that he made friends with the dog real fast because he didn't want anything to go wrong. He didn't know if the dog was friendly or not. And he said, you know, the dog turned out to be really friendly.
5: Did Hannah know that Aaron was texting Lauren all these weird flirty texts? Um, and my my background for that is if she knew about it ahead of time, is it possible that she was involved in actually setting her friend up in this questionable situation um, as some kind of revenge situation or if she did or she found out that night, perhaps, that what was going on, if that could have led to part of this situation?
0: So I don't know. Um, I don't know if if she knew. I do know that she obviously um, had a jealousy issue because of Cassie. You know, Cassie believes that that's what escalated, but I don't know. And I don't know what she knew or did not know about Lauren. I do know Lauren was very attractive and that Aaron liked to flirt. She couldn't have turned a blind side to that. My personal opinion, knowing what I know about Aaron, is I could see him making a pass at
5: Lauren hands down, and then mm-hmm. Hannah losing her gears. And I think that's part of what leads into my my suspicion about Hannah. I know this is speculation, but the suspicion about Hannah is that Hannah knew all along what was going on. Why was she not forthcoming to Lauren about what was going, you know, where they were staying and what they were doing, that just, especially if they'd been friends for so long, it just seemed particularly, not just shady and, and and withholding, but almost like she had something planned. I don't know that. Now that's been brought up. Um, I do have a group
0: of listeners that believe it was planned. I have that hands down. They believe that. But, you know, in, in what I do, I have to go by what I know.
5: I definitely want to know more. I want to hear from Hannah. I definitely want to hear from Hannah. Thank you again to
0: all who sent in questions and those who have been faithfully listening and helping to find answers to this case. A lot has happened so far this season, so let's do a quick recap. So far, we know that Lauren Agee went to Wakefest on Center Hill Lake in Smithfield, Tennessee, on Friday, July 24, 2015, with childhood friend Hannah Palmer. WakeFest is a festival for amateurs and professional wakeboarders to show off their skills. Picture Daytona Beach during spring break, and that's what WakeFest is, equivalent in Tennessee. Unfortunately, what it is now known for is the death of Lauren Agee. When Lauren and Hannah got to WakeFest that Friday... They met up with Hannah's new boyfriend, Aaron Lilly, and his buddy Chris Stout. They were all going to camp overnight on top of a cliff at Patesford Marina, sleeping in Enu's and tents on the edge of the cliff. They had the time of their life on Friday night partying at the local marina bar, Fishlips. The booze was flowing, and this caused many rifts that night. So the scenario was Hannah ran into Cassie Franks, who was Aaron's ex-girlfriend and they got into a catfight causing Cassie to leave Wakefest and leave her best friend, Samantha Arnold, behind. Since Samantha claims to also be best friends with Hannah and Lauren, she found a place to sleep on top of the clip with them on Friday night. Saturday morning, Aaron, Hannah, Chris, and Lauren got on Chris's boat and headed to Wakefest. Hours later, when they returned from Wakefest, they went back to the cliff and were met by some other people. Those people were Cassie's friends, LD and his buddies, who wanted to experience the cliff for themselves. Now, due to Aaron's history with Cassie and LD being very close to Cassie and her family him and Aaron did not get along. So when they came face to face, LD knew it was time for him to get out. However, before he left, he heard Aaron say something strange, something that he said he would never forget. He heard him say, quote, if anything were to happen up here, then it stays up here and nobody's going to say anything. End of quote. That same day, Aaron, Chris, and Lauren all went cliff jumping as Hannah watched. Hannah reported that Lauren hit the water so hard that she had bruises all over her body. That evening, they canoed back to Fishlips where Lauren separated from the group and hung out with Samantha Arnold and Cassie Franks. Cassie Franks had come back to Wakefest in order to pick up Samantha Arnold. Samantha Arnold told Lauren that she was going to go home that evening, and Lauren asked to go with her. When Lauren allegedly left to go tell her friends she was leaving with Samantha, she didn't come back, and Samantha left without her. Later that night, Lauren ran into her ex-boyfriend Clint and his cousin Evan, who were there with his mom Teresa. There seems to be a reoccurring theme about Lauren's ex-boyfriend Clint and his new girlfriend Callie, that Lauren had some sort of altercation but what we have found is that there was no altercations and that Lauren spent the evening with Evan and his mom Teresa until she left to go to bed when Clint and his friends were leaving the bar Clint recalls seeing Evan still talking with Lauren Shortly after Clint and Callie left Fishlips, Evan caught up with them and they all went to hang out with another group of friends at the RVs. This is the last time both Clint and Evan saw Lauren. When Lauren left the bar, some claimed they saw her walking to the end of the dock. The houseboat people say that Lauren and her friends came onto the houseboat to get Chris Stout, who had passed out earlier in the evening after a long day of drinking. What happens next is what we don't know. Who went back to the cliff? Is someone hiding something? Were there more people on the cliff we don't know about? When did they go back? How did they get back to the cliff? What was Lauren wearing that night? How did she end up in the water? What happened to all her clothes and stuff on the cliff? Was there really a fire? Did law enforcement really do everything they should have? All of this seems to be a mystery. There are so many things we have yet to uncover. But the one thing we do know for certain is that Lauren's lifeless body was found in the water July twenty-six at 4.30 p.m. And none of her friends seemed to know anything. So the question remains, was it a freak accident or was it flat out murder? Stay tuned this season to find out more jaw dropping information as I interview other key witnesses, law enforcement officers, and forensic specialists. We will go over the case and how it was handled or mishandled in great detail. You won't want to miss what's coming up in this season of Without Warning the Lauren Agee Case.